God's word this morning. Acts 6, 1 through 7. We're going to revisit that text if you've got your Bibles with you and want to open up to that. There's a pew Bible in front of you. For those of you joining us online, you should find the sermon notes. Pretty easy to access there. Acts chapter number 6, verses 1 through 7. The prototype for deacons in the Bible. But guidance in so many other areas in church. Let me introduce you to a term, slacktivism. Boy, that just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Slacktivism. Have you heard this? Slacktivism. It's a word that imprinted on my mind in May of 2010 as I was reading a Fast Company article uh, there during my lunch break when I was on staff at uh, BGEA. And I was struck by that word, thought, oh, that's cool. They've merged two words together, but I didn't know if it was slacker and activism or slack activism, whatever it is. It's a common word now that's used in a lot of marketing campaigns. Slacktivism is basically doing good without having to do much at all. Nancy Lublin, the CEO then in May of 2010 of Do Something, nonprofit organization, said this about it. It's inch-deep activism that you can do from the comfort of your own couch, whether that's clicking for good or texting to save the world. Noble, isn't it? Many of us have joined a cause or liked a post to show our support or shared a post. Some of you even watching online now may share this live stream. Wink. That's a hint, by the way, if you want to do that. Well, that's good. Um, But it's a way to share what we believe in and to be encouraged and, and to do all these things. But the reality is it requires very little effort. And, and maybe in the relief for Haiti, you're, rem- you're reminded that you, you texted a certain number in and you gave $10 to the relief for Haiti efforts and that raised multiple, 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 I think it was billions of dollars of relief to go to Haiti. Slacktivism. One of the earliest forms was wearing those rubber bracelets. Anybody? Some of you still have it on. You should wash it. You've had it on a while, but uh, we wear those bracelets, and, and uh, it was just, it didn't require a lot of effort. The church, though, of the living God doesn't move forward with slacktivism being our MO. We don't need a swell either of volunteers. Now, I know you say this is semantics, but I think it's a little more than that. We don't need volunteerism rampant in the church. We're not a nonprofit community organization trying to recruit people for a common good. No, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are moving and have moved actively away from the language of volunteer. And almost everything we have printed or our guidelines, even for nursery workers, all that, we, we've taken the word volunteer out. The better word is serving. And that's really where we're going this morning. We want to serve instead of volunteer. We need women and men and boys and girls who are filled with the Spirit, clothed in humility, ready to serve one another to display Christ to those around us. The Lord is good and He is so kind to work out His grace and His renewing and reforming work and remaking work in our lives, and as he does that, he turns us into servants that serve with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Let's go back to Acts 6 for just a moment. If you've got your Bibles there, I'm going to put some notes on the screen in just a minute, but 
under this header of servants, not volunteers, think about it. When we get to this narrative in Acts 6, as Norm read to us a moment ago, there's a legitimate need here. There's some disputing because there's some physical needs that need to be met, and some are concerned, well, we've got a majority of Jews and a majority of Gentiles, and if the Jews are not giving the Gentiles enough or the Gentiles don't give the Jews enough, then we're going to have a trouble. We're going to have the first church split at the first church. They were actually thinking about this. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And so they come up with a solution because it couldn't trump the greatest need. The apostles that were there call the congregation around them and say, you, you congregation, choose you out, and we get to verse 3 here, uh, men from among this congregation who have a good reputation, who are full of the Holy Spirit, you choose them out, and we will appoint from the men that you choose out. This morning, I want us to look at this biblical standard that we have for successfully building and equipping and celebrating men of integrity. But this is not just a passage about men. Part of it is, but it's a standard for the rest of us, all of us, a reasonable expectation for any level of service in the church, for us to demonstrate our spiritual growth and our disciplined life for the glory of God. Now, we have much to celebrate in the ebb and flow of so many in this congregation that step up to the plate regularly and serve in meaningful ways. Do you know that when I first came, first time came to Grace Covenant Church, just to see if I would pass muster to fill in for Pastor D if he took a Sunday off. I love that he was here the first time that I preached, just to make sure that I wasn't completely nuts, just partially. And then uh, I was the right kind, though, right? And, and then uh, knew that I could come back. He had enough people that could tase me and take me out if I, I got a little beside myself. So um, I came here that first Sunday and I was so impressed at, at the number of men that I saw serving actively and even leading out on there. That's, that's not the norm in a lot of churches. Thank God for women who have borne the load of church growth in a lot of ways through the years. And some have taken on responsibility because they've looked for a man to stand in the gap and found none, as Ezekiel said. But I'm so grateful that we've had men and women serving faithfully for years. We don't have to look around and say, oh, it's only 20% that do 80% of the work. That's not the case here. But I'm not talking about the men of Grace Covenant this morning. Let's look at the men right here in our text in verse 3. The apostles in Acts 6 were equally thankful, but they called the congregation to choose out these men look again at it it's on the screen it says pick out from among you seven men of good repute it's not a word we use much but it means good reputation full of the spirit and wisdom who we will appoint to this duty the jb phillips translation says men who are both practically and spiritually minded the amplified renders it good and attested character among their peers full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. When you think of a deacon, what comes to mind? Now let me say that, say, uh, I really don't want a whole lot of answers there. I want to keep it holy this morning. So when you think of deacon from maybe your past church experiences, 
I would imagine based on the persuasion and the tradition that you came up in, you probably have varying degrees and understandings of what a deacon is or isn't. Some of you have experiences where the deacons were in charge. They were, in essence, the board of directors at the church. And some of you, for some that comes to mind, you may think of Wyatt Earp. What? Wyatt Earp. You know the name Wyatt Earp? Young people, you may not know the name Wyatt Earp. Ask your dads or your grandpas about Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp was a deacon. I'll come back to that in a little bit, okay? Um, But the Bible shows us that deacons were appointed by the elders and pastors chosen from the congregation, and their role was designed to serve the physical and logistical needs of the church. And we're going to talk about these men this morning. The message is is clear today that if there's anything to celebrate at Grace Covenant, it's that Christ is at work in our midst. We'll make our boast in Christ alone, and if any man demonstrates any quality that's worth celebrating or rewarding in some way, we will celebrate the fact that it's the transforming work of Christ working in us that brings any attention and glory to him. It's not us just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and doing good. No, it's the good God working in and through us. And if there's anyone to recognize in the church, this is how we reward them, the Bible way. We hand them a towel and we say, sir. Isn't that beautiful? Godly men don't get plaques and awards and things like that. They get towels to serve. So what's distinct? First question this morning. A few Ds for you alliteration lovers this morning. What's distinct about these men in Acts 6.3? You saw it in the text. It's going to jump out at you. Here's the first thing. They were men of good reputation. The word there is martieo. It's an interesting word. It shows up in Luke 4, 22, where the Bible says, they of Jesus, and all spoke well of him and marveled at gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So these are men that have a reputation in Acts 6, 3, like Jesus. They were pleasant. They were joyful. They were agreeable. Take a breath, let it out. Like their spiritual gift was not contrarianism. Do you know these people? The actually crowd, right? You say anything to them, they go, actually. (laughs) And stroke the beard that's not there and want to disagree with you at every point. No, no, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for agreeable, pleasant, joyful men, approvingly testified by firsthand experience by those around them. They're looking for men that are full of the Holy Spirit. We're reminded that if we want to be filled with the Spirit, we don't chase after the Spirit. We keep our eyes on Jesus. When we chase after the Holy Spirit, we can wind up in the subjective mire of our own emotions. And then everybody says, well, I feel like the Spirit is this, and I feel like the Spirit is that, and nobody's got a Bible open. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that comforter, that parakletos, comes along beside us and points us to Jesus. The Bible says the Spirit never speaks of himself. He always points to Jesus. These men were full of the Spirit. How do you know? Because they talked about Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5. They walked in the Spirit, Galatians They were full of wisdom, not business acumen, not an intellectual quality so much so as it was a moral quality. It's foolish to be godless, 
True wisdom is a gift from God to those who ask for it. Job would ask the question in the Old Testament, where can wisdom be found? And God would respond just a few verses later in chapter 28. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. James tells us in great contrasts and stark differences, earthly ambition versus heavenly wisdom. We want leaders, men and women, all of us, to have heavenly wisdom. Listen to the difference here. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, James 3, 14, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This is earthly, unspiritual, and James says, the Bible says, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And here's the verse we love. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow, look at these characteristics just from here. These were the men they found, this prototype of deacons that we have in the Bible. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. The legendary lawman Wyatt Earp became a deacon of Union Church in Dodge, Kansas in 1878. What do you know about Wyatt Earp? Some of you may recall the series from the 1950s, a TV series that was on, it's in reruns, I don't know if TV Land ever ran it for the rest of us, but some of you may recall that series. Hugh O'Brien portrayed the rugged Wyatt Earp. He's been portrayed by many others, uh, Henry Fonda, Kevin Costner, Kurt Russell, among some of the more famous names portraying Wyatt in popular depictions. We have this romanticized view of Wyatt. We think, man, he'd be cool to be around. I think every guy in here would think, uh, let's get him to a men's ministry breakfast. I don't know. Let's, let's talk to Wyatt Earp. Um, he'd be cool to be around. He's probably got some stories. But would he qualify as a deacon? Well, Union Church thought he would be cool to be around and thought it would bring some status to their church to add him to the roster in that way. But with our Bibles open, I'm afraid we might come to a different conclusion. You see, it's not a popularity contest. It's a call for men of valor to grab a towel and serve as we are about our Father's business together. There's what is distinct about these men. What is demanded in Scripture for being appointed to serve? Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Timothy. It's just a few pages back from where you are. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. You've got the requirements for elders in the first part there. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. And then in verse 8, it picks up with the qualifications for deacons. It's important for us to look at this. Why? Because we're not just looking for warm bodies. We don't just need volunteers to fill slots of positions. This is not a recruitment strategy. It's not anything like that. It's gospel-revealing ministry even in the way we do this. Even though Act 6 may have been a temporary moment, it lays the groundwork for every local church that bore out and a lot of tradition since then. Let's look at the list here. You've got the text in front of you. Keep it in front of you in your Bibles. I'm going to put a few bullets on the screen. And we are, believe it or not, more than halfway through this morning. Here we go. Number one, they must be sincere. 
sincere. In verse 8, you see that description, well, it must be dignified and not double-tongued. We're looking the church, churches, local churches need men of God to step up and say, I'll serve, I'll do whatever, but we need men that are sincere, dignified, not double turn, not double tongue. Psalm 19 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need men that are sober. Look at the text. Not addicted to much wine. You could also include in there not greedy for dishonest gain because it's sober-minded, but it's also sobered. We need men that are not addicts, that are self-controlled, that demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in that way. Proverbs 25 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. It's easy to look at you would say, well, of course we don't want a, a, a deacon that has a reputation as an alcoholic. Of course, yes, that's absolutely correct. Or an illicit drug addict or fill in the blank of all the normal faux pas that we would say to stay away from. But I would tell you it's possible to be addicted to entertainment and addicted to all manner of things that have a control on your life. Listen, if there's something in your life you can't do without, that's an idol if it's not the Lord. We've got men addicted to all manner of things, women addicted to all manner of things. We need men and women to serve at all levels in church ministry that are sober and sober-minded. And a qualifying characteristic for a man to serve as a deacon is that he's sober. Verse 8, also, satisfied and content. I think it plays back into the addiction thing there, but it also is content, that greedy. He's not got to have it all. Money is not his motivation. I'll do anything to get ahead. No, this is not what we're looking for. First Timothy 6. Constant friction is the result among the people when people are depraved in their mind and deprived from the truth. How do you know they're depraved in their mind and deprived from the truth? When they are imagining that godliness is a means for them to get stuff. Great gain. No, godliness with contentment is great gain. You can be a pauper and be wealthy and deacon material. We're not looking for wealthy influencers, the up and coming that are making the Fast Company list or the Charlotte Business Journal list. That's not the qualifying factor here. We're not out there hunting for a cool cat like Wyatt Earp. No, we're looking for men who are satisfied and content. Men who are settled in the faith. Verse nine, look at what it says. In verse 9, it says they must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, rendered settled in the faith. They're, they're holding on to the faith. They're not blown about by every wind of doctrine. They're not consuming more YouTube and blogs and books than they're consuming of God's Word. They're keeping the main things, the main things. They don't profess one thing and profess possess something else y'all know I'm going to say this right their audio and their video sync up James says what good is it my brothers if somebody says he has faith but has no works to back it up you cannot be a man of God unless you are consistently a man of the word let me step apart from the deacon qualification here Ladies, you cannot be a woman of God unless you are consistently a woman in the Word. While a deacon's not required to be a teacher, he needs to be biblically literate and competent in sharing the gospel. 
Seasoned would be the next thing I would say. Tried and true. Not just moral and spiritual and doctrinal aspects should be tested. There's the passage there in verse 10 says, and let them also be tested first. Now every middle school and high school in the room just like, yeah, give the adults a test. I want to see that. Yeah, listen, I remember going through my ordination council. I was nervous because they told me to have something memorized that was, it, it was like, that's gross that I'm looking at my finger. Sorry, I'll wipe that up there. Just kidding. Do y'all remember when the CDC thing did that? The lady's saying, and make sure you don't touch your faith like that. Bless her heart. <laughs> Old habits are hard to break. But I remember that. I remember thinking, well, I got to know all this stuff. And I was tested. I was asked some questions. It wasn't quite as daunting as that. Sorry to let you down, young people. But, but we do actually render and administer tests here. And this means, though, that they have been tested in the fire, in the fight they, they've had something in their life where they've had to show themselves as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and they stood the test. Doesn't mean they have to be older men that have been saved for a hundred years to be a, a deacon. No, it means though that they've had a chance to prove themselves in battle. We don't put men under a microscope and look at every moment in their life to examine a failure. No, but it's a broad view of, the li- of life and we see a life that's above reproach that points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 says that we're no longer to be like kids tossed about to and fro with waves, carried about on every wind of doctrine by human craftiness and by deceitful schemes. No. We're also not looking to hand out titles to people in the hopes that they stay here or start doing something. That never works. It never works. It doesn't work in business and it doesn't work in church. To quote a pastor I've learned a great deal from, if they're not doing it without a title, they won't start with one. This is not for the weak at heart, but it is for those who recognize their weakness and their need for grace. This is for somebody who's all in for our church family. For those of you watching online, your church needs men of God who are all in, who have demonstrated systematic and faithful support of the church spiritually, financially, and physically because they belong to the church. Seasoned. Lastly here, strengthened by the family. Verses 11 and 12. Look at the text there. It says their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, not so, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Why? For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Strengthened by the family. The wife of a deacon must be a trustworthy person. The character of a deacon's wife is important. Somebody says she is the complement here. She's as much a woman of God as he is a man of God. He loves her like Christ loved the church every chance he gets. Them together trying to shepherd their children. If they have children at home, their hearts and their family toward Christ. Doesn't mean you've got to have perfect homes, perfect kids. They don't exist this side of heaven. So what about wide earth? How would it stand up? Sober? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Earp, his brothers, and Doc Holliday owned uh, saloons and brothels. Okay, probably disqualified there. Apparently not at Union. 
Uh, satisfied, content, and not greedy? Nope. Earp was arrested in Arkansas for stealing horses. The famous gunfight at the O.K. Corral in 1880 made Wyatt a Western legend, but that 30-second shootout then kind of gave him permission in his mind to commit less admirable grudge killings. That's murder. Settled and seasoned in the faith? No, there's no evidence or even legend that Wyatt Earp was biblically literate or that he was a soul winner or that he was ever had any biblical evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Strengthened in the family? I don't, I don't think so. After his first wife died of typhus in their first year of marriage, he deserted his second wife, Maddie, in 1882 when he moved to Tombstone. Some of you just went, oh. Earp married a prostitute there named Maddie who committed, uh, who took her life. And then after he left her, he shacked up with Josie, his common law wife, and lived with her until his death. I, I, don't, I don't even see how you can stretch any of it. Like, I'm wondering about that men's meeting, if they were like, yeah, but he's good with a pistol, right? Like, as if, listen, we got some men here that are good with a pistol, and they, they love Jesus. I like both. But if I got to pick one for a deacon, I only need one of those and not the other. Wyatt Earp would have made a great security guard, I think, at the church. Maybe he could have stood out the door and heard the gospel. He might have been the myth and the legend, but he was not a man of God, a man of integrity. He's not a man I would trust to count the offering at Grace Covenant. Next question. Who's demonstrating this here and now? Who among our church family do you see demonstrating this? We're going to, in the month of February, nominate deacons. That's the church body's responsibility. You will submit folks to be considered as candidate for deacons. They will then go before a deacon nominations team. Uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers, elementary kids, the adults have to take a test. They'll have to go before this team. It's made up of an elder, a deacon, and two members. Pray for us as we're in the process of assembling that team. And then we will, after that sufficient time is done and they've been interviewed and spoken with and much prayer and fasting and we've sought the Lord, we will together as your elders present uh, some deacons the church in the coming months so how do you pick somebody right you don't know every detail about their life well listen if it's Wyatt Earp please don't put him down right he might be a cool dude to hang out with we don't need the we got enough cool with Mark Pesker on our deacon board that's all the cool we can handle who are the men in the church that you thought were already deacons that's a good place to start do you have any guys like that you're like oh I thought they well, they're not on the list. I thought they were a deacon. That's a good name to write down, to think about somebody you can pray about. Who are the men that you would call if your family had a need that, that weren't elders at the church? Who are the men that you know would pray for you and selflessly show up for you right now without a title? They would do anything they could for you. Well, on behalf of the deacons and elders at Grace Covenant, I'm telling you there's a need. There are opportunities to serve some vulnerable and voiceless nearby. There's Opportunities in our worship gatherings for men of honor and distinction to be trusted with serving. Yes, communion and offering and other matters. We, we need some men to serve. We have some towels that we need to pass out to serve. 
I'm going to ask you to write down the names of two men, one or two men that you know of. Maybe write them down on your insert that you got coming in, on anything that you can write on. Uh, please not on the back of the pew, actually, if you don't mind that. But write them down on something. There's no nomination form out today. There's nothing for you to fill out because I want you to pray. I don't want you to turn in a name today. I want you to pray. You didn't know I was going to do this. I want you to pray about these men. I want you to look, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy 3 and Acts 6 and, and pray through this. I know you don't know everything about him. You don't have to interview him or interrogate him. But just think, with this somebody that as far as I know qualifies? Nominate as many as you like. Use this sermon and text as a filter. That's a very practical need for Grace Covenant Church. Those of you online that are watching that don't attend Grace Covenant, you're like, I, I don't think I can apply that to my life, Pastor. What can I do? Well, let's move to the next one. How do we develop one another? All right, that's the deacon-specific stuff. But how do we develop men and women? right? To be able to serve in the body with humility, full of the Spirit. Well, it doesn't accidentally happen. Titus 2, and I'm not going to have time to go there this morning. That's for you to research some of your homework. Go home and read Titus 2 this week. It's some of you older women spending time with some younger women. Now, I've got quite a bit of gray a picture popped up on my little uh, photo app the other day. You know, you don't have to have Facebook for that to happen now. Now Apple's haunting you with past pictures on your phone. So a picture pops up in my photo app and my hair was all one color and it weren't this. And it wasn't that long ago. And uh, I was thinking about that. To some of the smallest kids in here, I don't know how old they think I am. I look like a kid with gray hair. I don't know for the pulpit. I'm not sure what that works like, what their minds do. But... Um, I've got some gray hair. I'm 44 years old. I'm not probably considered older than a 40-year-old. I doubt a 41-year-old is going to come to me, maybe a brand-new 41-year-old that just turned 41 today. There's one in the congregation. I'll let you investigate and see who that is. It's Ryan Head. Um, I doubt Ryan's going to come to me and say, you know, Pastor, you have lived so much more life than me with those three years. Could you impart those three years of wisdom into my life? I doubt it's going to happen. But I, I may have something to say to a 30-year-old. They probably view me as older. And to a 20-year-old, you know, they think I grew up in the 1890s, not the 1990s. I get it. They refer to films that we watched, like, regularly as classic films. <laughs> no. um, how do we do that? Well, it, it doesn't happen accidentally. You've got to add some people into your schedule. If you're considered older than somebody, you that are in your 20s, you should be spending time with some teenagers, some middle schoolers. You high school kids, my high school men and women, young men and women, there's some middle schoolers and elementary kids that think the sun rises and sets on you. And you not grouping up together and always being, you know, thick as thieves together with your high school buddies and actually turning and saying a kind word to a younger kid will make their day. And if you were to pray with them, ask them something, some way that you could pray with them, hey, you 60-year-old, 50-year-old, 70-year-old men, same thing. Taking interest in a younger fella. It happens as we do what the Bible says too. We develop one another. In all areas of ministry, we commit to make disciple-making disciples. We want to call men and women to be men and women of God. This morning, those of you here, I'm wondering if some of you, though, would say, huh, I kind of line up more with Wyatt than anybody you've read about in Scripture. 
I've never really come to Jesus and put my faith and trust in Him. I'm asking you to be man enough or woman enough this morning to say yes to Jesus. To come to Jesus, like the songwriter said, for the cleansing flow and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. If the Holy Spirit, that's a person, not a force, is doing a work in your heart right now, you're beginning to see yourself as more sinful than you are comfortable with and recognizing that God is more holy and gracious than you ever dreamed possible. That's the Lord calling you to himself. Repent. Follow Jesus this morning. Are you man and woman to admit and to know that God designed you for community and to submit to his word and to the church? With Bibles open, Grace Covenant Church will commit to build men and women for his glory. We're going to use the successful victories of our past 30 years of successful men's ministry and women's ministry. We want to build on that in the coming months and years. But we want to build people that have a good reputation, that learn to walk full of the Holy Spirit, that exercise biblical wisdom, that are sincere, sober, satisfied and content, settled in the faith, seasoned and strengthening their own families and the body of Christ. Let's stand together this morning. We don't need slacktivists who never put any sweat equity into the big talk as the musicians are coming now. We're not looking for warm bodies that want a title this morning. This is not just a delegation of duties. It's an entrustment of ministry. Listen carefully to me. This is not the business world. <laughs> this is not a social club. Your talent is nice, but it's not the qualifier. Now to all my spiritual brothers and sisters, hear me carefully. The gifts of the Spirit actually don't qualify you. It's the fruit of the Spirit that does. Let's pray. Father, we want to be qualified to serve as girls and boys and women and men. We want to serve you, whether it's singing a song and helping lead others in singing, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's coming to clean the church or participating in an outreach or doing a card for our faith, hope, and love family, or whether it's whatever it is, God. We don't want to do it just because it's something to do. Lord, we want to do it because it's your work. That means we want to do it your way so that you get all the glory. That's the MO of Grace Covenant Church. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and each of us to serve in a way that's worthy of the calling that you placed on our lives. We bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Let's worship the Lord with singing.